0: This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation, new, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt.
0: I'm your host, Ryan Jury. We are about to explore practical solutions and hear about how out-of-reach results are obtained. Welcome to this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Hello.
2: Hey, it's Amanda.
0: Hey, Amanda. What are you doing on here?
2: Well, last week we tried something new while you were on vacation.
0: Oh, and what was it?
2: Well, I got to host the episode and I interviewed Coleman Associate CEO Melissa Stratman about simplified patient scheduling.
0: So tell me why you decided to do this episode then.
2: Well, it's one of the more controversial recommendations by Coleman Associates. You'll okay. see why in this episode.
0: Oh, I'm excited.
2: And our article on the website about simplified patient scheduling or SPS gets the most hits on our website.
0: Why do you think that?
2: Because simplified patient scheduling eliminates virtually all scheduling rules. Okay. It also eliminates Double booking.
0: Ooh, I bet providers like that one.
2: Mm -hmm. That's a that's a good part that providers like, (laughs) but they don't always like all of it.
0: What are some things that I can listen for in this episode then about uh, simplified patient scheduling?
2: Listen for some of the tips about how to make all appointments the same length and why you would do that. All right. Um, And also listen for Melissa's recommendations on how you convince people to try it.
0: Okay. Well, without further ado, let's start this episode with our new host covering me while I was on vacation, Amanda, interviewing Melissa Stratman, CEO of Coleman Associates.
2: We are going to talk about patient scheduling today, which is always um, one of the more exciting topics that health centers want to know about. Yes, it is. It is? Okay. Yes, it um, is. but. For our listeners who don't know anything, like for those who aren't clients who haven't tried this, what is simplified patient scheduling?
1: Sure. Well, if you take it back to its most basic level, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make some sort of sense out of the schedule. Everybody Mm -hmm. comes into the day, and unless you're a walk-in clinic, of which there are a few health centers that are strictly walk-in, but the challenge of being strictly walk-in is you can't do any of that preparation for the patient. And then it's really hard at the last minute to just remember the colonoscopy and the mammogram and all those other things. So for most people, when you look at the schedule and you try to think about, okay, what would we do to simplify the schedule? It's trying to make some sort of sense of it so that you can have – a reasonable day with people coming in within a reasonable flow so that you neither get run over nor have big gaps of time where you're not utilizing your staff.
2: Okay. So if, if someone doesn't have a simplified schedule, just like lay it out for us, what, what would that look like?
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, I've been doing this for 19 years now. And I remember when we first started this, something happened when we went from Paper scheduling books, and I know I'm totally <laughs> dating myself here, totally <laughs> dating myself here. But something happened. We went to paper scheduling books where one person had the scheduling book, or maybe a couple, and they knew what the notes were, they knew what the gig was. Mm-hmm. Then we went to electronic scheduling, and just like we did with the MR, we made the same mistake, and we just, as so many things in life, we just don't learn from our mistakes. So we said, "Great, it's electronic," and You can put codes in for what the patient needs. Mm -hmm. So then we suddenly decided that there were 8,000 different needs that patients had. So there (laughs) should be at least like 80 codes to represent that.
2: So like a code for an annual or physical versus a code for something else?
1: Totally. I mean, if we just, let's just take annual exams. So at my health center, we had a code for annual exams. We had a code for PAP only. That means that someone came in for their annual and for whatever reason, couldn't just get their PAP. Mm -hmm. And then we also had a code for a PAP and someone who needs say an IUD. And then we had sort of an abnormal PAP redo, which was just a PAP, but it was because they had asked us or something. So we wanted to redo it. So we made it a repap so mm-hmm. that we would able to go back and look in the PAP log to get the abnormal results, to know what we were looking for, mm-hmm. you know, in case maybe we didn't use a cider brush enough, whatever. So we have all these like different codes. And the reality of it is, is they, and then, and then what that does is it opens everyone up to bickering.
2: What if a patient comes in and they tell you, oh, and by the way, which is something we often hear from health centers,
1: Sure. Well, I mean, they do that because they mm-hmm. waited six weeks to get this appointment. So if my fingers started hurting yesterday and I'm coming in today, I feel like that was just just, you know, probably fate. Mm-hmm. You know, so I want to have that looked at as well because I know it's gonna be a while. Whether someone comes in knowing what their list is, whether they disclose the list to you in advance or not, whether they think of it in the last moments, it doesn't matter. We have no idea how much time each person is gonna take. Mm-hmm. But and what- Oh, okay. go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to ask, but wouldn't a health center staff person, maybe a provider, maybe an MA say, but Melissa, like a uh, annual exam of someone we've never seen before, isn't that of course going to take longer than just a follow-up to talk about labs?
1: It might take longer, but what if the follow-up labs are that the person has, um, you know, cancer? Mm-hmm then it doesn't take longer, Mm -hmm. but she didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Unless it looked ahead at the labs or maybe it would take longer unless the person who's coming in for a follow-up labs tells you that they were a victim of domestic violence yesterday, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't take longer. So we just try to put things in a box. We try to put people in as for all the fighting we do to say we're working in healthcare. These aren't widgets we're cranking out. Each person is individual. It's yet still the schedule has been used as this attempt to put people in a box around a particular. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's just not reasonable. It doesn't work with a simplified patient scheduling. You're trying to make the appointment slots pretty much all the same so that you can move people around wherever. So you don't have to tell people and schedulers hate having to tell people, you know, actually we don't have that slot available until the 28th of the month, you know, on the second of the month, Mm -hmm. because they're looking for a particular appointment slot. So it makes the scheduler's job like a rocket science. And then, you know, you pay people like $11 an hour and you expect them to be happy. The point is just make all the appointment times the same, Mm. or as much as you can have as few of appointment types as possible. I like one patient appointment. That's my favorite. (laughs) Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: But, you know, if you're going to have a few, then, you know, keep it to two, three or four that are legitimate different slots that people don't argue about, which means you have to recruit and get your providers on board with this decision. It Mm -hmm. can't just be an administrative push.
2: How do you do that? How do you get providers on board with it?
1: The same way you get everybody on board with it. Mm -hmm. You do your research. You present the information. You validate it. You talk to people who've done it. Mm -hmm. And you help them see what's in it for them.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then at some point you have to just decide if it's something you're doing is something you're doing.
2: And when you say, talk to other people who've done it, that's at other health centers, at their health centers, like could people test it?
1: Yeah, you can absolutely test it. Say you have multiple sites mm-hmm. or multiple departments, test it in one department or one site 1st Mm-hmm. So I know it's a little bit of an EMR issue for our practice management system issue for a short term to have different types of appointments or minimize, right. but just do it on a small scale so people can see that like they're not going to get hurt.
2: At least my experience, I don't know if this is different for you, is that more health centers are simpler simpler than they were in the past. Like yes. there's two different visit lengths instead of three or four, but there's yes. still two. Yes. So. If it was a 1530 that you're working with currently, would that mean going to all 15s?
1: It depends on the particular provider. Okay. Generally, I would say yes. A general answer would be go to all 15s, but don't necessarily book all four of them. Because mm-hmm. can, you can no more see a patient in 15 minutes than you can see them in eight minutes than you can see them in 22 minutes. Like, it's mm-hmm. a totally arbitrary number. It just happens to be easy to look at when you think about the clock. Mm -hmm. But it it doesn't actually have any bearing on how much time it actually takes to see patients. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is if, I mean, for most providers, you could do three 15-minute appointments and then hold one 15-minute slot to kind of catch up. Mm-hmm. And then where you would normally have put that 30-minute visit instead of saying, oh, I'm looking for, and I'm, I'm guilty of having said this in my health center to patients, well, I'm looking for a complex patient spot because they said you needed to be in one of the complex slots, which was longer, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know how the patients felt about being complex um, now that I think about it and what I was communicating with <laughs> the reality of it is, is that you're trying to find a spot for people. But if you could just say anytime during the hour, spare game.
2: So if you were going to all 15s, it doesn't necessarily mean you're moving from three patients in an hour, 15, 15, 30 to four patients in the hour, 15, 15, 15, 15. Because if I heard that, I'd say, oh my gosh, you're upping my patients one per hour.
1: Oh, heavens no. I mean, if that was the way to actually solve productivity, I know some CFOs that would go to 10 minute slots all hour long, but you can't, (laughs) you can't seize necessarily Mm -hmm. six patients in the hour. Mm -hmm. Some providers can, Mm -hmm. and it depends in part based upon your support, what's happening with your patients. I mean, if you have really great support staff who are doing a lot of the history and getting a lot of the information and the patient loves them and has a rapport with them, bingo. What
2: measures would you expect to see improve as a result of going to a simplified patient schedule?
1: result of going to a simplified patient schedule, you should see improvements in ability to get people in. Okay. You should see a reduction in third next available because you don't have certain pockets of patients that are waiting for that particular appointment slot. Mm-hmm. Should it be able to give people more appointment times at the time that they want them? Mm. If you do that, we find that no show rates tend to go down because if I really wanted an appointment in the morning, but all you had available was in the afternoon, I might say yes to the afternoon, but I actually know that if my kid hasn't woken up from a nap, the odds that I'm going to make it in for that appointment are slim, Mm. but it's what you have and it might work for me. So I take it, but I probably would have been 95% sure I would show up for a 10 a.m. appointment and I'm only 65% sure I'm going to show up for a 2.30 appointment. Mm -hmm. So you would see the no show rate improve as well. And then as a result of having these people in the schedule, being able to focus on them. And if you can get, and this is a little bit like, um, It's a little more esoteric. It's a little further out there. If you can give people the time to focus on those patients and know, and you've got a shepherd managing the sheep and the shepherd from the Coleman team dance concepts, concepts. if you've got a shepherd that's managing the schedule, you should have a provider that's able to focus more on those patients. And then you should have with your team-based components, an ability to focus more on those quality metrics overall. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay.
2: And so. in just I know that we talked about sheep and shepherd in episode seven when we interviewed yeah. Dr. Tim Spurrell. Um, but just really quickly, in the sheep and shepherd model, who is the shepherd? Who is the person managing sure. the flow?
1: In the sheep and shepherd model from the Coleman Associates, the team dance elements, the, the sheep and shepherd, it really defines the provider and the support staff relationship. Okay. So the support staff, the MA or the MAs or the LPN, whatever it is, is the shepherd. Okay. The person who has the provider's back.
2: So does that mean the provider is the sheep?
1: That does mean the provider is the sheep, which is kind of a funny analogy. Um, <laughs> and some people don't like it off the bat, but actually once people get going, they love being the sheep because <laughs> that means they can just focus on what they do well, which is medicine and relationships with patients.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not meant to be derogatory at all. Like Oh, gosh, no. no. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the key was somebody who really has your back.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who okay. has you back no matter what. Another metric that we see improve with simplified patient scheduling is cycle time.
2: Oh, why because, is that?
1: Well, because sometimes patients are in the office for longer than they need to be because the schedule got hijacked again because something isn't right or something didn't represent the way it was supposed to, hmm. or this was that, or that was this. So you can see if you can keep, I mean, cycle time, of course, is improved if you can keep a steady flow of patients. It's like um, you want to just have this constant, like next patient coming in this constant steady drumbeat of patients. And that's where you can get better cycle times as long as you have well-coordinated teams.
2: Melissa, I'm going to ask you like maybe the most controversial question relating to simplified patient scheduling.
1: Is there, is there a more, most controversial question? I think there's a lot of controversial <laughs> questions. I think, I think this is
2: controversial because this is like the flack that administrators get after implementing it. It's something Coleman Associates hears a lot. So are you ready for it? I'm ready. Ready okay. as I can be. Okay. So the question is, say you're moving from a 1530 schedule to all 15s, What? The controversial question is, so I only get, this is a provider talking, I only get 15 minutes with every patient
1: now. Is that right? It's not right. It's not right at all. It's no different than saying when you had a 30 minute visit, you only get 30 minutes with those patients because sometimes you spend 22 minutes. Sometimes you spend 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, the schedule is just a rough approximation of what the the template is supposed to look like. Okay. It's, it's, there's just no way. So the idea of a 15 minute visit is, is not, it's not any more real than an 11 minute visit or a 12 minute visit or an 18 minute visit. It's just a figment of our, you know, it's just something that we create. So no, in simplified patient scheduling, if you were to read through the Coleman simplified patient scheduling recommendations, and it would recommend you go to say 15 minute slots, it is not under the assumption that that means you start seeing four patients every hour. Because
2: <laughs> what I don't want anyone to do, because I've seen this happen, is providers go in and like set their clock to 15 minutes. And then at the end of 15, like ding, 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 you're done. Like we're just trying to keep people away from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really just a goofy pushback because they feel like administrative. I mean, you know, to be honest, it's hard, I think, in a lot of ways to be a provider these days where You've lost control of these kinds of things, right? The payment system has become so complicated. You have to be in some sort of a group or a system, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people that do it on their own, but not a lot. So here you are in a group or system, and then you take this job as opposed to being in private practice, and then all of a sudden you don't get control of your day, Mm -hmm. and you don't get control over your schedule. So it's a way. I mean, in some ways, I give those people props for being a little witty and saying, like, trying to push back on the system because they're trying to defend things for their patients, but of course. I mean, if you finish the visit in 11 minutes, I don't know providers who sit around and say, well, we got four minutes. So, you know, what do you think of them bears? You know, I mean, like, you know, people don't just sit around and use the time all the way up to 15 anyway. What about
2: in a value-based world? I mean, what would you recommend for a schedule template then when it's less about how many patients you're seeing?
1: If you had a value-based payment world, you would spend a couple of your visits an hour, maybe seeing patients in the office, Mm -hmm. and maybe the other time would be spent doing a video chat with someone or having phone calls with patients, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be, I think, a beautiful world when we can get there.
2: What is value-based payment? What is this possible future we're moving to? What is value-based payment?
1: Sure, sure. So value-based payment is simply just a system of moving from saying, okay, you did you know, 68 visits this week. Mm -hmm. Ergo, you get reimbursement for those 68 visits on a certain amount done. Mm -hmm. Instead, value-based payment says you have 1,500 patients you're responsible for keeping well and making well. So we're going to pay you Mm -hmm. for keeping them well and making them well. And maybe, you know, it kind of throttles up and down different ACOs, different health plans. Are all over. People are all over the board with moving to this, and okay. this is talking about community health primary care. If we were talking about specialty care, this would be a totally different conversation because um, CMS, the Center for Medicaid and Medicaid Services, has already moved some specialty care services mm. further along this continuum. So, okay. just talking about primary care and community health centers, we're getting a chunk of money, and and that comes in like through grants, etc., and then the rest of it is all fee for service money. So, value based payment would say no, it's actually more about. Keeping all of your diabetics or moving their hemoglobin A1Cs down, or Mm -hmm. making sure they all go through and get their retinopathy or there's this and that screening, basically, in an effort to monetize preventative care Mm -hmm. so that we take care of things before they become expensive things. That's the crux of value based payment, is to monetize all those other things we have to do so that we take care of patients entirely, completely, holistically ultimately for the people keeping track of the dollars so that it costs us less down the road.
2: So Melissa, if someone's thinking about trying a simplified patient schedule template, like moving to something like that, is it can you do it in isolation without changing other things like going to a sheep and shepherd model or using team dance steps? Like, can you go to a simplified patient schedule in isolation, basically?
1: That's a great question. Yes, technically, you can go to a simplified patient schedule in isolation. You can. People have done it. They did it long before Colbin came around and simplified things. Not many people, but a few Mm -hmm. people, making a simple template template. Excuse me. You can absolutely do that, but I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't recommend it because it just sets people up to fail. Okay. Why? And it takes the wind out of the sails of the providers who are already struggling to make things work if they're struggling to make things work because you haven't given them the appropriate support. So now they just feel like I have all this stuff to do and I have to get it done within this, what seems like a shortened time frame. So basically you're, you'd be taking away control if providers used to be able mm. to pick how long the slot was and you've taken away that control with nothing in exchange and no opportunity to do it better. Mm. I mean, I think, think about like self-driving cars. This is the innovation podcast, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I rented a car this last week and it has this button where it can have more control. It was a brand new car. It's 2019 car, it a brand new car. Um, it had like, 80 miles on it when I got it, which was unbelievable. Um, so you know, it smelled nice and everything. And it had this button you push that would allow it basically this system of kind of auto driving. Hmm. Really? And yeah. And I was a little hesitant about it, but it would buzz me whenever a bunch of different things happen. It would kind of vibrate the steering wheel, uh-huh. but it freaked me out when I went to back up mm-hmm. into a parking place and it wouldn't let me, it just like slammed me on the brakes as I was backing up. That
2: must've been terrible for you who like only backs into parking
1: I socks. know I'm a backer in I'm a backer in <laughs> for sure. And so it, but it basically like slammed me on the brakes and I was like, oh, and so I immediately took it off. I was like, I don't want this help because I'd wanted control. Mm-hmm. I wanted control. I felt like I needed control in order to be safe. Mm. I needed control. But the reality of it is, is that once I figured out what the thing was and that I just didn't use it when I backed up, Uh it was helpful the rest of the time. And I just knew that there was this exception that didn't work. So I think in a lot of ways, we've taken away control from providers. Mm. And if they don't have a button or a way or something to say, wait a minute, what about this? Then they get run over. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that's why doing simplified patient scheduling with all the other team dance, Coleman team dance elements makes it beautiful because then you don't, you're not worried about being run over because you know that your team has your back and your team would say like, hey take the button off now because you're just about to do this thing and that's going to happen.
2: After recording this episode with Melissa, I couldn't help but think about the concept of control control at work and what we can change. And it led me to the very popular serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You can change the schedule template. You can eliminate the rules. I accept that we cannot know with 100% certainty what patients will need when they come in. If you haven't already done so, I suggest you go back and listen to episode number seven of this podcast with Dr. Tim Sporel. It's called Change is a Game Changer. Listen to it to hear what sort of support a patient care team will need to try their own simple patient schedule template. I want to say a big thank you to Melissa Stratman. She is the ultimate backer in her. I also want to thank Jonathan at Bionic Squid and Ryan Jury for all of
1: his help producing this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe today.